And welcome back to another action-packed episode of the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu, brought to you by the Villains of Man with myself, Justin Raymer, as I traverse the continuity of Marvel's most prolific martial artist in Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. You want to keep up with the podcast, you can do so over on X, Twitter, whatever the hell you want to call it, Instagram, Blue Sky, and Threads. For some of these, I don't feel like they're that important, but hey, you're a podcast, you got to promote yourself to get them listeners, right? But for you listeners, I do apologize for being on a hiatus. I haven't put an episode out in about three months now, but it's for good reason. I'm about this close, and I know you can't see what I'm doing because this is audio and not video, but like maybe an inch between my thumb and forefinger away from getting a comic book published. I've really taken the last time off this year to really push myself into getting everything I need done for a publisher to take a look at what I'm doing. And um, hopefully, it works out. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I feel very confident. I'm a very confident person anyways. I don't ever really doubt myself. But I'm pretty excited about it. Hopefully, everything works out. And maybe in the near future, you, my listeners, will have something of mine to read. Um, But during these hiatuses, I do run a podcast called Last Tavern on the Left. We're a TTRPG podcast. That's a tabletop role-playing podcast. And I promoted that a lot during our Star Wars campaign over there. That's with right now we're back into a fantasy mode. I'm behind the screen. So if you love storytelling and you pretty much love to hear how a story unfolds, almost like listening to people create a comic book in a way, please go over to Last Haver on the left. Subscribe, check that out. We just started a new campaign. We're a couple of issues in. Issues, excuse me. We're a couple of episodes in, and hopefully you'll enjoy my story that's over there. Now, um, here, at the end of the year, we've got a lot going on with just the character Shang-Chi that we should be feasting upon. Uh, the Deadly Hands of Kung Fu Gang War tie-in came out this week as of this recording, which would be uh, December 27th, 2023. The next day, on the 28th, we had What If Hella Had the Ten Rings with the animated series What If on Disney+. Plus. Excellent. I'm going to try to record an episode of that and get it out at the normal time slot start the year off next week. And then over on Marvel Unlimited on Voices, we've got Shang-Chi taking on Terax and part of this Loki's uh, amazing race for the Treasure of Desire storyline that's going on. It's been pretty interesting and it's more content. So there's literally three things for you to follow with Shang-Chi out there if you're enjoying the character. And then there's an episode to get the content back out there. But we're kind of at the halfway point here in Master of Kung Fu. Uh, There's 55 issues. There's 111 issues in this run since it took over for Special Marvel Edition. So I kind of thought I'd kind of chop up what I thought about the first half of this series. Um, My favorite supporting character is Clive Reston. I've talked about that on all the social media accounts. I love Clive Reston. I think Christmas Eve was his first appearance, um, which, like I said, it's giant size number three for Master of Kung Fu. I covered that back on episode 16 if you want to go back and listen to it. My favorite supporting character in this series. My favorite villain was Warrior, which was the saga that kind of took place with what the one before what we're currently talking to, which is issues uh, 53, 54, 56, and 57 of this series. Um, pretty interesting villain. Uh, he's in the mindset of like villains throughout real world history, like conquerors and dictators and whatnot. Um, I do owe everybody issue 55, which I'm going to get to sometime next year. Um, I'm going to cover some Iron Fist stuff after the review for What If, and uh, then I plan on dropping that episode. And my favorite art 
and it's kind of just one shot story but it plays into um the whole golden dagger saga is number 27 which is titled confrontation i covered that arc with the sister of darkness stuff that led up to golden daggers on episode 17 if you want to listen to that like i said I got some episodes planned out. I have, like, years of this stuff planned out. Just this Bronze Age into the 80s stuff. Between Shang-Chi, Iron Fist, and then when Iron Fist becomes part of Heroes for Hire, which we're getting close to. And I'm not going to promise you that you'll have an episode every week for all of next year. Because hopefully, you know, I'll have things going on that that I've always wanted to do. But I'm still going to try to get episodes out for you guys when I can. And then maybe... Someone at Marvel would be like, hey, this dude covers this podcast. Let's give him a shot to write Shang-Chi or Iron Fist. And hey, mission accomplished, right? But I want to recap the last couple of episodes here with this storyline. Because there's a lot that's going on in these last seven issues. What it was was Shin and Kogar worked together to get the plans for a neutron bomb. Finding out Shin was involved with the Chinese government, Juliet, his lover at the time, penned a letter to Shang-Chi to help. Skullcrusher was then hired by others, the Chinese government, I'm going to assume, to assassinate him, and he failed. At the bar, which is the Jade Peacock that Shin owns, Juliet takes the crates of microdots and leaves a bond behind from Kogar. Shin then thinks it's Shang-Chi because he was there at the time it exploded. Juliet tells Shang-Chi she disguised herself as one of the smugglers to steal the crates. Both are ambushed by Skullcrusher and Pavane at the mansion. Kogar knows of Juliet's deception due to a henchman posing as a loyal member of her own faction. He finds out about the mansion and takes his men to go get the crates for himself. This stops Shin and Skullcrusher for getting them for their own purposes. Kogar and Shang-Chi then have a fight. Then Juliet's men surprise attack the mansion. This allows her and Shang-Chi to flee with the crates while still on a boat. Kogar then gives chase allowing Shin and Skullcrusher to rescue Pavane. Shang-Chi then heads to Kogar's base after feeding his men. Shin and Pavane head there too, allowing Kogar to pit the two warriors in a battle. His drunkenness, or ego, probably a combination of both, makes him slip up to Shin that he actually blew up the Jade Peacock and not Shang-Chi. Juliet arrives with the crates to stop their fight. They both destroy the mansion and the microdots, and Kogar perishes as Shang-Chi and Shin team up to defeat him. Then at the end of this last story, we know that Shang-Chi and Juliet, they leave, and then there's this love affair between them, and that's what this final issue, which is, oddly enough, issue 69, is a good joke, or as our DNG group would say, nice. Now, I do have some thoughts I want to get here about Juliet, because she's a past character that's, you know, what's worked with Shin, and she's a main part of the story, she's the reason Shang-Chi is even involved. And at first, I thought she needed Shang-Chi to protect her. I was wrong. Then I believe Juliet was luring Kogar to the mansion so Shin could kill him after the double cross and take her back. Next, I thought she was seducing Shang-Chi to help her get out of this mess because he's part of MI6 and she used to be. Finally, I thought the seduction was to help her get these microdots because Juliet is working for the faceless superiors of MI6. Go back, check that Warship Your story I was just referencing earlier. This is a legit all about love. No joke. And that's all breaks down to issue 69. Nice. So, continuing on with what you're here to listen for. Master of Kung Fu issue 69 was released with 14 other titles by Marvel Comics on July 25th, 1978. We have Marvel Preview Volume 1 number 15, Star Wars Weekly UK Volume 1 number 25, Avengers Volume 1 number 176, Defenders Volume 1 number 64, 
Fantastic Four Volume 1, 199, Iron Man Volume 1, 115, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, Volume 1, number 17. Good movie. Got shit at the office. I feel really bad for that movie. Moving on, though. Machine Man, Volume 1, number 7. Marvel Premiere, Volume 1, number 44. Marvel Team-Up, Volume 1, number 74. Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, Volume 1, number 23. Star Wars, Volume 1, number 16. Tarzan, Volume 1, number 17. And What If, Volume 1, number 11. Getting a lot of bringing it back around here. As uh, maybe it was a good thing I did take this hiatus off before I finished up this arc that was going on. The title of our story is called Stairway to Rage. Our writer is Doug Minch. Penciler is Mike Zek. The inks go to John Tartagaloni. The colorist is Mary Lynn Belveridge. The letterer goes to Glenn Smeck. And the editor is Roger Stern. Now, when you go to lettering, it also says that Gaspar Saladino did page one over on the uh, Grand Comic Book database. But in most places, don't credit him at all. And I've noticed that's a trend as I've been covering covering this part in the podcast. Is usually if you do one page for this, you usually don't get credited at all on most websites. So, uh, Grand Comic Book Database. I only do, reason I do this is because of Bronze Age Monster Podcast. That's the only reason I go check that. So, kudos to both of them guys. The cover perfectly depicts what's going on in this story as Skullcrusher is swinging one of his steel balls on a chain, much very much like you would see the Wrecker. Or the Absorb Mandu. And Shang-Chi is on the ground ducking. Or maybe about to get plowed in the back of the head. So let's go ahead and move on to the story. After the defeat of Kogar and breaking away from his allies. Shang-Chi and Juliet arrive back at the mansion. She informs him that Skullcrusher contacted her with a message. If Shang-Chi wished to face him to travel to Poland Monastery outside of Hong Kong. There he became the temple's new master. And to face him our hero must pass three tests. Shang-Chi is shocked at why Juliet would not cry out when Skullcrusher arrived, but she tells him she knew the assassin would not harm her. Refusing to face the villain, Shang-Chi and Juliet walk the beach hand in hand. As they share a kiss, she believes she has become weak and is starting to fall in love with him. The moment is ruined as Skullcrusher ambushes them. Using the steel ball and chain to crack Juliet in the back of the head, Shang-Chi chooses to attend the woman he has grown affection for, allowing the villain to flee. After bandaging her head, she gains consciousness and admits something Shang-Chi is shocked to hear. She admits to being weak and needing someone, and begins to walk away from him. Confused, Shang-Chi asks where will she go, and when she doesn't answer, he questions if she will head back to Shen. The two part ways with no answer. Returning back to his friends, Shang-Chi ignores him as he informs them all that he's traveling to Poland Monastery. Realizing something has happened, no one tries to stop him. Weeks later, Shang-Chi arrives at the temple, seething with rage for Skullcrusher's attack on Juliet. He is confused to why all the monks remain outside. Questioning one of them, one informs a hero they are waiting for the monastery to be returned to them. But none are worried because they know their true master's spirit lives on and will seek aid for them. With that, Shang-Chi enters. Quickly, he is engaged in the three tests. The first is a lone warrior. The second is a duo with poison darts. And the third is a trio bearing hot coals. None of them proved to be a match for the Master of Kung Fu and only caused his rage to flare greater. Skullcrusher then reveals himself, announcing to Shang-Chi he has earned the right to face him and to die by his hand. Furious over the attack on Juliet, our hero does something he has never done in his life. He promises to kill Skullcrusher. The fight is fast and intense, forcing the assassin to admit Shang-Chi is proving to be a better fighter than when they last fought. 
Skullcrusher admits he did not expect Shang-Chi to come because he no longer had a reason to fight. He mocks Shang-Chi, stating it could not be due to Juliet because she never cared for him. This stokes the burning rage inside Shang-Chi further as he snatches up the steel ball and chains, snapping them. Then he takes the fury out on Skullcrusher, beating him into unconsciousness. As the assassin lays there battered and bleeding, our hero only thinks about killing him. Shang-Chi then mindlessly continues to punch Skullcrusher in the face, and before he can land the killing blow, Juliet screams for him to stop. As he turns to face this woman he has grown to care for, Juliet begs him. With sadness in her eyes, she promises that both of them will leave the monastery. At first, Shang-Chi is confused by what Juliet is saying, and then it hits him hard. She left him at the beach to go be with Skullcrusher, the man she came to love herself. Realizing he has made a fool of himself, Shang-Chi leaves the temple uncertain of why Juliet cries while tending to Skullcrusher. As the monks thank him for being the aid they hope for, he tells them they are wrong, that he has become weak due to love. Shocked, right? I was completely shocked when I read this. I mean, this is another love story where Shang-Chi has got burned again after everything was sandy back in the giant size stories and now we're, he had his, everything going on with Liko and now this whole thing with Juliet who is completely leading him on. It's completely blown away by this. And this is what I like about reviewing one issue at a time and not reading ahead because I can try to make assumptions and guesses of what's coming on because I've never really read any of these. And I'm completely shocked about what's going on when I find out. So, blew my mind. I loved it. It was great. Now, during this story, I have even said on here, and for reasons that I was proven wrong earlier that I went over, Juliet's using Shang-Chi in this entire story. And I don't know why until this very issue, which Doug mentioned as a masterful job of hiding from you, but the thing is, we never see any point where Juliet and Skullcrusher meet each other and fall in love. So I've, I've tried to piece this together. So we know that Shin's working for the Chinese government and Juliet has left him for it because we know in the Claws of the Cat two-part story that she's a British MI6 agent. She's sent after him and vice versa. They fall in love. They quit both sides of the countries that are at each other's throat. So... Where do they meet her and Skullcrusher during all this? So what I'm putting together is Juliet decides to work with Kogar after she finds out about all this with Shin. But she's unaware that Kogar knows of her past relationship with Shin. At some point, her and Skullcrusher, they realize they can't fight both of these villains. So Juliet gets the idea to pit Shang-Chi against them both. And she knows that Shin won't fight Shang-Chi because of the two issues I've mentioned, so that kind of just leaves Kogar. So because of this, these two, because they've already met during all of this, because we know that Skullcrusher is working for Kogar and Shin, it's mentioned later on, I'll get to that a little bit, um, Juliet lets her letter to Shang-Chi leak, knowing it will force the Chinese government to hire Skullcrusher to go to London, because Shin is going to refuse to fight him, which is probably what was brought up. So this will allow the lovers to really infiltrate each side so they think. So, but what neither of them expects is Kogar to set up the double cross because she found out about Juliet and sets her up for bombing the Jade Peacock. And most likely he does not know that Juliet and Skullcrusher have fallen in love with each other. So this forces Juliet to be with Shang-Chi during all this who was doing everything he could to protect her, and maybe she realized 
that they could be together because he is a good man. She's already seen this once in the first confrontation with Shin. Then we see this going on. So she's realizing that he's actually a good man. So what I'm going to do here is try to put together the pieces based on what we see in the issues. So we know that Juliet is working for Kogar to steal the crates with a microdot. She admits to this in issue 65. To quote it, she says, Kogar, Shang-Chi, he's the one I stole the shipment for. He told me to leave the X-Mark crate, exploded, killed Shin's brother. Yes, the manager of the Jade Peacock, it was Shin's brother. I was double-crossed. Shin's brother thought I was the pickup for Shin, but I was really working for Kogar. Didn't know Kogar had a double cross for me, too. Doesn't really want to help me stop Shin, just using me to get the crates from him. But now Kogar has made certain Shin will kill me for his brother's death. You see, Kogar thinks I've done my part and that I'm no longer needed. But I heard that explosion, and I won't give him the crates. So she knows Kogar is going to double cross Shin. She just doesn't expect him to double cross her. And he basically sets her up to get killed by her former lover. That's really good. I really like Kogar as a villain in this. I've mentioned this before. So, we also know that Kogar is the one who basically sent Skullcrusher on the assassination mission in London after Shang-Chi. Shin, who is working with the smuggler during all this, he doesn't approve of it. Uh, the last issue, issue 68, uh, confirms this when he, Kogar, pits Shang-Chi and Shin against each other in a duel over the microdots. He says, You see, Cat, I was wrong to condemn Skullcrusher's failure in London. Has he succeeded in the mission of murder I delegated, the opportunity for you to slay Shang-Chi could not now present itself. So that kind of fuels that all these guys are working together. Now, what I'm believing is Kogar had Juliet send the letter to Shang-Chi, and this allowed him to be sent over there to kill him. Even the assassination attempt isn't personal to him in 61 when they fight. It's the start of the setup, except Kogar doesn't realize he's being set up in turn by Juliet Skullcrusher. To quote the issue from Skullcrusher, No, son of Manchu, that I, that although I harbor no personal enmity towards you, I'm known as Skullcrusher, and it has been necessary for me to find you before you can leave London. See, you see, I've already accepted the payment to slay you. Shang-Chi keeps questioning him as to why. For money, it's nothing personal. Now, besides what we see in this issue with Juliet telling Shang-Chi she knew Skullcrusher wouldn't attack her, this right here explains in 65 why Skullcrusher wouldn't kill Juliet, but simply threatened to kill her if Shang-Chi doesn't allow him to escape. To quote it all, Back, son of Fu Manchu, move or I will crush Juliet's skull. Now we know why he wouldn't do it. Because he's in love with her. They are together. That was just a villainous way of escaping. It's actually pretty brilliant. So, during this entire time, we know that Skullcrusher, Shin, Kogar, and Pavane are all working together. Shin does not realize that Juliet is working for Kogar. Kogar is aware of her past relationship with Shin, and that's why he's going to double-cross both of them. Removing Juliet out of the way. What they don't know is that Juliet and Skullcrusher also have a plan themselves. A lot of weaving of the webs here. It's really good. Now what I believe is Kogar purposely has Skullcrusher lose to Shang-Chi both times they fight. Because Kogar knows that Shang-Chi is the only one that can kill Shin. 
So, I mean, even in six, issue 63, Shin Skull Skull Crusher from taking orders from others, such as Kogart. To quote the book, it says, Come here and you tell me there was an explosion at the Jade Peacock. The shipment was stolen. My brother was slain. And you fool, you call yourself Skull Crusher? He says, Yes, Shin. Well, Skull Crusher, you have made two mistakes. The first was taking orders from others. Have you asked me? I never would have allowed you to go to London and attempt to slay the Britisher Shang-Chi. Your second mistake was in failing to kill him. Now that this Shang-Chi has slain my brother, he must be slain. So there, we know that Shin does not approve of Kogard's methods, which really helps set a lot of this up. Now after the second defeat, Shin has Skullcrusher retrieve the boat in issue 67 for the Mocker Dots at the mansion. We never see him again until this epilogue here in number 69. Nice. Now, Shang-Chi doesn't want to kill Shin, but instead they both destroy Kogar's base, and it takes him out in the process during this whole storyline. Though they don't have the plans for the neutron bomb, this gets both Skullcrusher and Juliet out of the mess of Shin's brother dying. Now, Juliet has been using Shang-Chi at this point, however she needs, and it seems now that this is over, she just wants to leave him. It's almost like she doesn't know how to. Because maybe she realizes that she's done wrong and Shang-Chi never deserved any of this. And now knowing that Shang-Chi is a pacifist, Skull Crusher figures he won't come after him in all this. But that's until Jealousy proves to be the powerful emotion that he is. And Shang-Chi and Juliet have that last kiss. Skull Crusher attacks her from behind, which pisses Shang-Chi off and he goes on a warpath as he hunts him down to this monastery. Now, I've mentioned where, you know, he doesn't take any of this personal, but now Skullcrusher does take this personal because it's almost like that kiss at the end was unnecessary and that pissed Skullcrusher off because now he probably feels that his lover, Juliet, has affection for Shang-Chi. And now this fight is going to happen. And he takes this very, very personal. So as they're fighting, uh, their fight is pretty much kind of like the fight from the very first issue in the 61. It's a lot of the steel balls and chain really doing their job to keep Shang-Chi tied up and whatnot and keep him on the ropes. Goading Shang-Chi is really the downfall of Skull Crusher. He uh, says, and I've mentioned this earlier, he says, You're better this time, Fu Manchu. Perhaps it's, it is the edge of your fury. He said, but you have no cause for fury. Indeed, I did not expect you to come here, but you no longer have a reason to fight me. And Shang-Chi, his inner monologue, he's confused. He says, what does he mean by that? And then we get to flashbacks to um, Juliet saying that she's weak and she's sorry that she feels like she needs someone. And he's confused because she doesn't answer who she's going back to. She just leaves him. And this is after the attack from Skullcrusher. So, bam, he catches Shang-Chi in his thoughts and cracks him, and he says, no reason at all, and he screams it at him. You can tell he's very pissed. So, Shang-Chi sees his blood. It's the only thing that sets him off. The last bit of mockery from Skullcrusher comes in as he's swinging both these balls around. He says, no reason, son of Fu Manchu. It cannot be the blonde woman. She cared nothing for you. You were a speck of dirt and trapped in her eye. And this is what pisses Shang-Chi off. And he goes in a complete rage. And uh, it really looks like he is going to kill Skullcrusher. He's got this wild-eyed, like, savage Hulk look in his eyes. And he's just pummeling 
just beating his face in, and it's Juliet who stops him and proves she has been there the entire time, which is hardcore because she could have put a stop to this at any point, but she let them fight each other. Maybe she was hoping Shang-Chi would kill Skullcrusher to get her out of even more of a mess, but she couldn't let herself go that far. Maybe she just could not let Shang-Chi go over the edge and corrupt himself over a bunch of lies. This ending made this story that much better. It's crazy how you, you kind of get bored over a six, seven part story. Like here in modern comics these days, that's what a lot of people complain about. They get tired of six, seven part stories when it seems like these stories would be fit better into like three issues. But this made this whole seven part story just perfect. I love the ending of this. Now, my only complaint about this as I wrap this up is there was no Pavane versus Lee Gowu. We did not get that rematch. We kind of had a part of that on uh, Mordillo's Island. And even Pavane, when she's mentioned to Lee Go, when she's going to go to Kogar's Titting Grotto, like she's shocked that Pavane is even here, and we even get that flashback to their fight. So I was pretty upset that this doesn't happen here. A lot of things left to question how Shang-Chi going to take this. Will he go back to Lee Go? Will he tell her about this, or will this prove to him that love is blinding him and causing him a lot of emotion, and for him to be a true pacifist, he's literally going to have to cut ties for women that he falls in love with. So it really sets up pretty interesting storytelling for uh, the character going forward, because ever since Fu Manchu died, Shang-Chi's been through the emotional ringer. And this book really pushes him to it because this ending shocked me. I was completely surprised. With that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. I'm Justin Raymer for the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu. You can find me over on Twitter at Justin D. Raymer. Same over on Instagram if you want to follow the podcast itself. You can follow us over at X slash Twitter, whatever they want to call it. You can follow it at Instagram. You can follow it at Blue Sky. And you can follow it over at Threads. If you like my music, check out Rushing Tiger by Kuro over on SoundCloud. I'm sure he would appreciate it. But in the end, guys, support your favorite podcast. Support your local comic book shops. And keep reading comics, guys. Uh. Uh.